0: Open your Bibles to the book of Luke. We want to declare the word of God, the glory of God from the mouth of Mary, the mother of Christ Jesus. Luke chapter 1. And we're going to read from verse two, from the second half of 46. We just omit the first three words of 46 and we'll read to the end of 55. Amen? Amen. Now this is what Mary here was talking about, was re- responding to what the Lord has done for her but I want us to read it out loud in declaration of what God is doing around us and is going to do in our nation. If you believe that, give me an amen. 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 All right, if you are there, say amen. Amen. Remember this time around, read it. You are instructing somebody. I hope you're getting my point. All right, I want to, let's go. My soul soul exalts the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has had regard for the humble state of his born slave, for behold, from this time on, all generations will count me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name, and his mercy is upon generation after generation toward those who fear him. He has done mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who were proud in the thoughts of their heart. He has brought down rulers from their thrones and has exalted those who were humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent away the rich empty handed. He has given help to Israel, his servant, in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his descendants forever. Amen. amen. I said amen. amen. This is the glory of God we have declared. Amen. And this thus is established in this nation. Amen. Say amen like you want to do. Amen. Thus it is established in this nation. In the name of Jesus Christ. Hear the word of the Lord. He will bring down rulers from their thrones. And He will exalt those who were humble. He will fill the hungry with good things and send away the rich empty handed. In the name of Jesus Christ. His mercy will be upon us from generation to generation. His fear will be upon this land. In the name of Jesus Christ. His mighty deeds will be seen by all Amen. in the name of Jesus. Amen. And I declare that God is good to you. Amen. Say it, God is, good to me. God is good to me. Say it again. God is good to say it me. again. God is good to me. Let me say it again. No matter what you have experienced, I say it again. The Lord is good to you. Amen. Say it again. God is good to me. Good to me. Say it one more time. God is good to me. Amen. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. All right, before we take our seats, quickly let's take our declaration of understanding. One, two, let's go. Now I declare. The Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, and I'm being filled with the knowledge of His will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding, as a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I'm pleasing Him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. And God will do that for you and more today in Jesus' name. Please, if if anybody needs healing, I don't care what it is, just pay. What did I say? Sow a seed. What is that seed? What do you pay? What do you pay? Attention. That's it. Pay attention. People used to sometimes say that, Elisha, how did Elisha get the anointing of Elijah? He was washing the hands of Elijah, and they want to serve Elijah. And they missed the point. It was not the hand washing. It was the proximity. I hope you're getting my point. Yes, it's not the hand washing. It's what? The proximity. The proximity. Yes. I've seen all kinds of teachings. but Let me not go into that now. How did Elisha prepare himself to receive that anointing? It was by knowing everything that Elijah was saying. Every communication the Lord will have with Elijah, as He's talking about and ruminating about it, Elisha will be listening. Do you understand my point? That is it. What am I saying? Prepare your heart to receive. Amen? Amen? Listen, if you have any disease, I'm talking to those who are streaming, all right? Please, pay attention. Make sure you don't fall asleep. I may not talk about healing, but the word of God is coming forth. Amen. I may not specifically talk about the particular disease specifically, but the word of God. He sent his word and heals them. I hope you're getting my point. It is not only when they speak about healing that you will get healed. It's the presence of that spirit of God. And I'm saying to you again today, it is going to be going forth throughout this meeting. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So receive yours by paying what? Alright, the Lord is good. Awesome. Let's take our seats. All right, let's continue looking at um, the heart that God loves. The, the heart, you know, the man after God's heart. We are taking our lessons from the person David. Remember, we are looking at the life of David. And um, last time, now let me just say something. I, I've, got, I've gotten used to it now, all right? I speak by the Spirit of God. There are times that, um, like I was saying on Tuesday, each time there's what the Spirit is saying to an individual. And that's what the Spirit is saying to the church. So we have to be careful. That's why you find me go off tangent once in a while. It's not really because I don't know how to stay, I do. <laughs> just that I just realized that sometimes you have to say what the spirit wants to say. And last time I spoke extensively on how to make the right decisions, knowing that you are being led by the Spirit of God and you will still be held responsible personally for what the Spirit of God leads you into. I said. Let's be careful to live our lives by what is right. We must have a foundation of right and wrong. We must have a foundation of spiritual truth before we start superimposing upon that foundation, before we start building upon that foundation the special manifestations of the Spirit. Because if you believe and have a wrong attitude in your heart, it's only the wrong... Okay, let me not say wrong now. The things you will hear the Spirit say to you will not be perfect. I hope you're getting my point. And I explained, that was why God said to, directly, with his own mouth, he said to Moses, allow the men to divorce their wives for all these reasons they are bringing. And Jesus came physically and told his disciples, that was inaccurate. He said, but was Moses that told us, God said it to Moses. He said it was because of their hardness of heart. That was the maximum they could hear. So they could have come, which was what they did to Jesus. They were bragging that, no, this we got this instruction from the Lord. But he made it clear to them, yes, you got that instruction from the Lord because you couldn't handle anything deeper than that in truth. So those who could handle something deeper, Jesus would tell them something else, that no, you can't do that. So do we brag on them? Okay, um, this is what God said to me. No. It is, how was it in the beginning? It's called the knowledge of the will of God. That will of God, please go and get our Bible study on it. We gave about three, five different um, meanings for the expression, of the will of God. One of them is that what God eternally proposed in, in, in his heart. We also give another one, operating, that is the divine principles by which God said you should be operating on a daily basis. It's also called the will of God. So it's not just a specific decision. It's not just a specific thing about, should I go here or not go there? It is what principle are you operating by on a regular basis? That principle also is called the will of God. So if you have that will established having the right principle in your heart on a daily basis. That's what you're operating regularly. That is when you can hear the accurate word from the Spirit. Uh, let me summarize it again. Please, don't spend your time, I, I see books all the time, how to hear this from the Spirit, how to exercise your ears so you can hear what the Holy Spirit is saying. I'm one per- Listen, I'm the only person I know that says it. But I'm, I, I, that doesn't matter. I will continue to say it. I don't believe all those teachings. I don't. Unless the teachings try to explain to us how to clean your heart properly. If it's how to hear, how to pray until your spirit can pick signals. It doesn't mean anything. Because you can never speak, pick signals more accurate than you are able to imbibe. I hope you're getting my point. You can have, look, let me tell you the truth. For God to speak to people is hard He doesn't have a problem with it too. It's for people to hear him. It's for them to hear him. That's the problem. Jesus taught the disciples for how long? At the end of the day, what did they say? Well, you at this time, their heart was set on nationalism. The nationalism was so strong; everything Jesus was trying to tell about the kingdom, they couldn't hear it. They were interpreting everything Jesus was saying in a political way. Please, I hope you are getting my point. Peter carried that into. God, you know, one of the hardest things the Lord Jesus had was try to persuade Peter and co that the Gentiles are equal to the Jews. Some of them will preach for a long time. They still couldn't hear it. God had to raise Paul to kill that stronghold. And Paul had a hard time with it. It was a reason. Go and see it. When he was speaking to the Jews, when they came to arrest him, as he was speaking, telling the history of the nations, the nation of Israel, they were paying attention. Until he said, God told me, Now go to the Gentiles. They said, Away with him. That was when they wanted to kill him. For saying that the Lord rejected the Jews and said, Go to the Gentiles. How did he get into trouble? Because his own brethren said, Let us make it clear to them, you are not breaking down the law. I heard one man explain something. Many people didn't agree with it when they heard it, but when I heard I understood. He said it was the reason God kept Paul in prison. That the arrangement of the apostles in Jerusalem was going to end the ministry of Paul the way we know it. So when Paul went with his own, <laughs> It will surprise you. That all that zeal, zeal, zeal. The word of God to Paul was don't go to Jerusalem. Go and study the book of Acts everywhere. He said, This man must not step foot in Jerusalem. He said, I'm ready to die. It's not about whether I'm ready to die or not. It is that, does God want you to go to Jerusalem? The answer was no. But nationalism, the love of the people, one man explained. He said, that was when he reached there, God issued a command. Take him, lock him up. But he can't die. So everything you have seeing, it was God orchestrated it. Arrest, soldiers coming, imprisonment. Jesus flying, that they want to kill him on the way. Some people are taking a vow that they will not eat, they will not drink until they've killed Paul. Some, his, 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 one of his relatives' head, I think his, his brother's, um, his sister's son' head, went and reported. They sent a garrison of soldiers to go and extract him. It was because God said, don't let him go. Lock this man up. They're about to destroy his ministry. Please, no, no, all this one that, pray, 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 to you hear. Listen, forget all that. Thing. Pray until you can obey every written word. If they say, love your neighbor as yourself, and you are angry with your neighbor, you will pray until you love your neighbor. When they say, forgive 70 times 7 in one day, and after 6 forgiving, you are tired. What do you do? You pray until you can forgive 70 times 7. That is the exercise of the Spirit. That is the exercise of the Spirit. That is the exercise of the Spirit. Let me say one more time. That is the exercise of the spirit. For you to be able to obey the written word. Do you know what I found out? <laughs> I have that experience in my life. Many times... Okay, let me give you this illustration. Maybe I'm looking for... Now, I don't know my car keys that i have misplaced a bunch. Are you getting my point? I'm not even aware. I'm going to go out in the next 30 minutes. Then I enter the room. When I'm getting ready to go out. Then suddenly I look and I say, Ah, wait, oh. My wife was very busy. She kept these clothes here the other day. She wanted to hang them. Something in me would just say, Why don't you just help her arrange the wardrobe? So I checked, Look, I'm going out. I said, Ah, this woman has been very busy. Let me just help. So I pick the clothes and start arranging. Then one of them, I suddenly hear a jingle inside. It's my wife's baby jeans, as an example. I dip my hand inside my car keys. Then it hit me that I will never have looked for those keys in her jeans pocket. Some people will say, the Holy priest said, go to your wife's pocket. Yes, it, can, it may do that. But my experience has been, I discovered the will of God while trying to be, you know, a good thing. Just trying to walk in righteousness. This illustration I've given you has happened to me countless times in the house. Countless times. There are things I, I did not even know such a thing was missing. I just want to do what is right. There are times when I'm going out, I happen to be the only person in the house, and I, I'm about to leave. I, I just remember that way. Did I check whether they locked the back door? Because maybe they, they left just before me. I happen to be the last person. I said, okay, let me just go back and go and check the back door, whether it's locked. I open the front door again, which I had locked the keys in my hand. I go, I said, I'm about to get to the back door. I will just find maybe my phone on top of the washing machine. I can't even remember putting it there. Ah, and I'm looking. How did this phone get here? Do you not remember? Okay, earlier in the day, one of my kids said they wanted to do something. I gave it. When they were going out, they just dropped it there and left. And I get there. The back door may be locked. It may be open. But what, what made me go there? Just trying to do what I knew was right. Now, this are experiences experience I've had so many times. I'm just need to illustrate for you, please. These Christians will go and pray until they hear God. I'm not saying it is wrong, okay? But I think we put too much emphasis on it. The emphasis is multiplied excessively by over a hundredfold. Meanwhile, we don't have as much emphasis on obedience. We don't exercise ourselves to study the word of God. As much to make sure that coming for meetings like this, going for study meetings where they discuss the Word of God is priority to us. We rather spend the time trying to. You know, they will now come and the Holy Spirit now. Began. Nine times out of ten, when I able hear the Holy Spirit began to speak to me and say, "Come, bros, that Holy Spirit told you. I knew it before you began to hear the Holy Spirit." You could have asked me. Now make you look like you are spiritual. Holy Spirit has to tell you things that all of us know. As I began to calculate, I realized that three multiplied by three I and divided by by, you know, by nine, I began to think. The Holy Spirit say one. And I said, eh, bros, the Holy Spirit told you three times three over nine is one. Should I get to a five-year-old to tell you why bother the ancient of ages with such calculation? You don't know mathematics. You don't know arithmetic. You are bragging on spirituality. It sounds funny, but we do it a lot of times. I began to pray. I began to pray. I said, you began to pray over that one. Where's your common sense? Now, what I call a common spiritual sense. Please, that's what I discussed last time. I know I took a lot of time on it, all right? And please, if you're not around, please try and get the message and listen to that message, okay? Just trying to review. So sometimes I go over, when I will go uh, off a tangent, it's because the Holy Spirit is trying to correct people, and it's not going to wait till I finish the series I'm teaching (laughs) before it begins to correct. So that's, I realized last time, that's about all we discussed, and we did not sit on the matter of David. Okay? And much. So today now, let's get back to the main thing. The matter of David. Did you read a portion just now? We well, have not read. I have so many I want to read. Maybe we should just read all of them. Just keep reading. Okay? But let's, let me just quote that one that we have um, read a number of times so that um, we will not, not count it as one of the ones we read today. I'll just tell you what it says and then we will now go to our Bible reading. So, in 2 Samuel 23, David was described as a man who was raised up on high. And that's the teaching for today. The man who was raised up on high. David, the man anointed by the God of Jacob. David, the sweet psalmist of Israel. The teaching for today is David, the man who was raised up on high. And the emphasis is the fact that he was raised up. He did not climb up. The emphasis is that he was raised up. He did not struggle by himself to be elevated. The point is I want to show, and we have to put our faith in such a thing, that David did not get to where he planned to get to. He got to where God planned for him ahead of time. David did not have a dream or a vision about I am going to be a king. It never crossed his mind. Such thoughts did not cross his mind. Do you know why? By the time he was anointed, They were just having this first king in Israel. The concept of kings was still new in that nation. It was not the kind of dreams young people had. And you must also realize at that time they were operating dynasties. So if a man was king, you expected his son to be king. And David was from the tribe of Judah. Meanwhile, the first king, Saul, that was anointed shortly before he was now anointed, after Saul was rejected, was from the tribe of Benjamin. Do you remember that? So David really does not need to be thinking about kings, and at the age he was anointed, children, used to think of things like, uh, "I'm going to have ten sheep, you know, because he was keeping sheep. How much meat will I be able to afford?" Listen, why am I saying this? Many of the principles we learn as in church today, they are at TV sometimes. It's so hard for me, sorry, to watch Christian television. There are very few preachers I listen to, and it's not arrogance. It's not that like I'm feeling I know too much. It's just that many times when they start, I say they have started again. They are not teaching me the word of Christ. They are teaching me how to labor under a curse and say bear fruit. Yes, you know it's possible? God never told Adam, you never eat again. The curse was that the sweat of your brow, from it, you would eat bread. You would toil. That means toil produces. But that's not the order of God. And many times we have these strategies for toiling effectively. Very few times have we been taught to let God help us in life. And let me tell you the truth. It's one of the most difficult exercises in life to wait for God. What's the problem with waiting for God? You don't know His timing. You don't know even what He wants to do. There's a difference between knowing what He wants to do and even knowing when He wants to do it. If you know what He wants to do, you'll even be happy. God absolutely keeps you in the dark many times. It's an intense spiritual exercise to sit down and appear to be doing nothing. I taught something many years ago. It's been in some of my messages over the years, of, of course. But the first time I saw it, I wrote an article on it, a, a teaching. I call it active wait and see. I said, do you know sitting down for a Christian is very active spiritual, spiritual exercise? To sit down and what the world would call doing nothing. For the believer is intense spiritual exercise. Number one is intense overcoming of the flesh to be able to sit and not move. The flesh wants to move. The flesh wants to move. The flesh sometimes wants the glory, part of the glory. The flesh wants to give a testimony about what I did. To be able to sit down and deny the flesh that you know satisfaction is intense spiritual exercise is intense. Sitting down and waiting for God <laughs> is an intense exercise. Sometimes what God gives us because we can't sit, you know I make a joke when I'm teaching students sometimes because when I'm talking with students, you know, I tell them please don't write anything. Because I say I say to them we are not here to invent anything. This is not a what they call a seminar class, it's not. This is teaching old knowledge to Empty heads. <laughs> now, I don't mean that i an insult, but like you didn't know it before. So, I'm not trying to be So, I tell them, I say, for that reason, everything I'm going to tell you is inside a textbook. So, please pay attention to me and let me explain. So, of course, they don't meet teachers like me often. Most teachers, as they are talking, you should be writing. They want it like that. You know, I'm looking at? Chuk, that's how he teaches. As <laughs> says teacher should be writing. I tell my students, no, please don't. Pay attention to me. If there was a time, I've, I've relaxed on that now. I seize your notebook and your pen. If I see your hand, go to paper. And I'll talk for two hours in a class like that. Nobody puts anything down. I say to them, listen, my job is to explain. That once I've explained the concepts, then pick up your textbook afterwards. And then it will enter your head easier. But you know, now, why am I telling you story? Okay? After some time, when I did that for I've I, I was on my own. I had to just like God said in the beginning it was not so because of the hardness of heart. So I had to slack him for students after a while. So i asked today to them once in a while. I said, okay, okay. Now some of you, if you don't write, you will die. So I said when I came to an agreement, I will talk for ten minutes, then I take a break for a minute or two. Why you write so that you don't die? <laughs> it now became a joke. So I'll be talking and say, I know some of you want to die now. All right, right. Please just give me one more minute, I'll explain that's okay now. Let me take a break while you write down <laughs> something like. They ha, ha, ha. must write. I said, "What are you writing? Okay. Is it not inside your textbook? <laughs> you know, those days I used to do things like if I felt the subject was the, the textbook was okay, if I considered the textbook either not adequate in that area or too much in that area, I make my own note. Then I print it, I type it, I give it to them, go and make photocopies. But please try and pay attention when I'm talking. Now, please, why am I saying all of this? Sometimes in waiting for God, we can't. So God will give us one activity so that we don't die. Do you get my point? You know, you know what, I don't, what I mean by don't die now? Yeah. Because the real thing he wants you to do, if he told you, ah, no, you can't. So God will say, all right. In his mind, he's taking you to, maybe your name is David, okay? You are going to be a king. So he looked and said, What do I do to David? He said, He cannot wait. He said, Go and learn how to make cars. Go to school. <laughs> study aeron- uh, what they call automobile engineering. And David will be having dreams and ideas. So the angel said, Lord, what is he doing? He said, If we don't let him do that, he will die of frustration. So give him something. So David will be dead. Then the day before his final exam, when he's going to collect his certificate on automobile engineering, God will now come. He said, Can we now go? He said, I'm about to finish my exam. God said, mm-hmm. This was never your assignment. This was to keep you busy. I was looking at the book of Ecclesiastes again. The truth is that the Bible says, when it says there is a time for everything, our interpretation often is there is an appropriate time. But no, that's not what he said. The reason is there is an appointed time. There's a difference between an appropriate time and an appointed time. What Solomon was saying is that there is an appointed time. That the time, all right, for the automobile to be invented has been set. Do you know, I found out, you know, I to some prophecies given by one man in 1933. And he said that he sees it. Now, 1933, for your information, is almost 100 years ago. We're well, 2021 now, okay? So in about um, 12 years, we're doing... Uh-huh. So he gave this around 1933, and he said he's seen a family in a car without a steering. And nobody's driving the car. And the car seemed to be controlled by a radar or something he didn't know. Of course, this was 1933. What does that tell you? There is an appointed time for the release of driverless cars. Prophets have been prophesying it beforehand. Over a hundred years before television, okay, I don't know whether it's over a hundred, but decades before televisions came into existence, John Alexander Dowie has said to the world that I see a time when, because he used to minister healing, he said, I see a time when my voice and my picture will be carried from here into the homes of those that need healing. And the concept of TV was not in anybody's mind yet. Yet the man saw it coming. What does that tell you? There's an appointed time. So Solomon said, this is what I have now noticed. That God has given men activities to be occupied with. Sometimes they take the glory. This man invented this. And God laughs. He said, no, he didn't invent anything. When that time came, I gave him a photograph in the spirit. And then he took it and produced it on the earth. And you are giving him the glory. He does not deserve the glory at all. Everything he has done up this now, there were activities I gave him and other people to be occupied with. And I used the activities. Now, what I'm going to say is this. Sometimes God gives us activities to do. All right? It's for our own good. In that process, many times, we're a blessing to people. We're a blessing to ourselves. Many times, he uses those activities, okay, to train us in different areas. But the real thing he wants is for us to wait for him when he will come. I thought about it. The greatest lack we have as people, the greatest lack we have as a church, the greatest lack we have in life as human beings is faith. It's intense, the lack. I did not know, realize how important it was until we thought about it that Jesus said, nevertheless, when the Son of Man returns, what did he say? We live, find faith on this earth. Faith, Lack of faith is a problem. And that's what we're trying to do through these teachings, to stimulate faith again in the hearts of people. The people of God God must understand that God is the one that lifts them up. It's not your effort. You have to put that thing in your heart. There is no method. Let me say it again. There is no method for lifting. There is no way to achieve in this life. You must learn how to receive. Did you hear what I said? There is no way to achieve. What you need to learn is how to receive. Because what God does is to lift people by Himself. Why are we talking about David? You know, I know David. David did not think about being a king. You know, sometimes we talk about planning the future of children. You can ask my children, I don't worry anybody. What do you want to study? What do you want to study? Some, look, if your my child does not study law, if you not study medicine, if you not studied engineering, my is listen. Just be educated. Just be educated. Just be educated. That's my own personal focus. I will not force you to go and study something because I think it's a part of destiny that you are struggling with. I will observe you. What would you like to do? We will reason. But I have never been able to focus on this is how this child will become successful in life. No. Listen. Most people that know me in this life They know me for one thing. Teaching the Bible. That is the way by which I've impacted people the most. I've gone to all kinds of places. And people will hear my voice sometimes in a car. You know, just talking, maybe public transport. And somebody hears the voice and taps you. Please, that voice sounds familiar. Please, are you a preacher? And when I get there, of course, I know what is coming. The one that happened, you can ask Israel... We used to go to market those days. We got to a checkpoint. Police checkpoint. Mobile police checkpoint. Armed men checkpoint. Are you getting my point? So he told us to park. We wanted to check our car. So I greeted the man. Our officer, good morning. He looked at me. The voice rang a bell in his head. He said, may I know you? You know the way they ask. So I, I smiled. I said, know me? In what way? I said, what do you want to know? I gave him my full name. I don't know. So I just said, "Well, I'm also a preacher." He just said, "Pastor Banky." I said, "Yes." He screamed. The other mobile policemen, at the, uh, they thought there was a problem. You know the way they re- reacted. What is it? They saw him grab my hand and go to the floor. Pastor Banky, he, he, he screamed. I was on the way to Makodi. After that, of course, he became. Our passport to pass there. Once we reached there, I said, ah, Hi, how is Chris? Hi, ah, he's not on duty today, sir. Okay. Tell him I said, God bless him. Then we drive home. He <laughs> became, <laughs> <laughs> his name was Chris. Every time we stopped there, we asked for Chris. That day, of course, we came, and gave them material. all of that. All of them came out. Bless us, sir. So I pray for every man at the checkpoint. I never went to a theological school. That's what I'm telling the story. Gave my life to Christ, I believe, sometime in my secondary school day. You say, why do you say sometimes? I don't know. Because I gave my life to God like 200 times before somebody calls you don't do. Jesus don't collect them. <laughs> <laughs> Every, because you see, I had this deeper life kind of SU deeper life kind of foundation. In which case if you if you get home quarrel with your younger sister, you are going to hell. So you go and repent again. So <laughs> I said one of my classmates, Joy, that was her name. So after my first year on campus, Joy stopped me one day. She said she wanted to talk to me. So she asked me whether I'd given my life to Christ. She was trying to preach. And I said, well, I don't I feel like, what do you mean? And I told her, on that campus, I'd already answered at least three altar calls. So I told her that, well, I don't know that I do this. I told her, like, how I give my life to Christ. So I, she explained to me that, no, it doesn't work like that. That once you give your life to Christ once, he has collected it. It doesn't mean you are perfect. Even if you do what is wrong, what you do is to confess your sins, you will receive forgiveness, but you remain a born-again Christian. It was just a short trek from uh, from 500 Lecture Theater University of Benin to the hostel's area. So we just walked together that day to the hostel. And in that short interval, she explained it to me. That was when I stopped giving my life to Christ. So I said, Jesus, if we're talking to you, don't collect and cease now. So now from secondary school days, I'm going to say something here. We began to learn the word of God. Time to feel, of course, every child wanted to be all kinds of things. I was telling my children daddy, that when I, was in, uh, when I was a young boy, I wanted to join the Air Force. You say why? To wear a cap. You know that they are cap. You know, there's this triangular cap that's, <clears throat> I, lo- I used to dream of that cap. So I wanted to grow up to become an, a, an Air Force officer just so I can wear a cap. I didn't care whether they were fighting or flying. She, said, when I finish, you would give me a cap. I'm not kidding. It, the cap was, you know, we used to use paper to make it. Yes, I wanted to get a real one. As a little boy, I wanted to be in the Air Force. Then maybe that's part of it. Why I wanted to be a pilot at a the time. Then I wanted to be this. Then I wanted to be a doctor. Then, you know, you keep on wanting to be this or that, depending on what is going on. And then, of course, eventually, I gained admission to university to study medicine. And then we began to study medicine. And then we went to a fellowship and then the fellowship people, Light of Christ community, University of Benin, they're crazy wadites. You know what they, what, what they call wadites? They were, they were not religious people, they were wadites. You know what they call what? I don't know. We used to call them wadites. That's a word that is like, you know, you, you can be, um, give me something like height. What are you, well, Eh? Kegite. You can be a kegite. Yeah, on campus those days. Uh-huh. You are have, you, you have jambites. And then you were stalites. Those were not just friends. You call them stalites. So on campus, we had those who studied the Word and walked by that Word. We called them Wordites. There were people, according to us, a bit of arrogance was there, right? But according to us, there were people that did not have time for sense knowledge. Everything for us was revelation knowledge. I joined those group of people. Some of them were so bad. When you say, what's your weight? They say, my spirit doesn't have a weight. (laughs) So I, I remember one of my guys, he will not tell you I weigh 85 kg. No, never. I said, my body weighs 85 kg. That I'm a spirit, I have a soul, I live in a body. It's my house that weighs 85 kg. We, oh, God, we, have, we had people. They, we, you see, we carry some of this into all kinds of extremes. There's some people who carry it to crazy extremes. You don't want to even go near those ones. But the point is that we're Waddites. I told you before that in my room, when you hear people fighting, the fight is on what Paul meant when he said walk by the spirit. Whether the original Greek is by or in. That's argumental. They will be bringing vines, strong concordance. I'm not talking about small argument. Argument that they are heading down the corridor. Argument that's close to people punching each other. Argument on whether Faith is required on the part of the receiver if the man is anointed. Argument on which one is the real person is it the spirit or the soul? I'm not kidding about it. When we go to go on holidays, the idea by the time I got, get back to school, and one of our brothers came back to school, he had read the Bible like mad when he came back. It was emitting from every corner. I remember one day, one sister went home. I still remember her name, Ruth. She came back to school. I came to her room to visit that day. And then she had this brown envelope. And when she was about to leave, she brought out the envelope and stole our our president of the fellowship that time, Pastor E, and said she brought this for him from home. So he opened it. And it was Dick's annotated reference Bible. And God went mad. See the excitement. Sister Ruth brought dicks. <laughs> That's it. The one of my guys, that brother that I said, went home and read everything. He came back to the hostel that day. So now I said, ah, Ross, see, Pastor, is a Bible law. He says it's a lie. No, it had to be a lie. I don't know. Listen, it's like, let me tell you the way it was in our hearts. It's like a young man comes back to school and he packs a C-class. Maybe 2017 model. I know his father is not very rich. You now come and now say that C class is mine. What did you tell him? Is a lie. That was how it was. We're not trying to be, he said a lie. So we told him that, look, it's true. <laughs> he said, like, guys, relax. So he checked it. It was new. There was no name on it. He said, if it's his, his name, why is his name not on it? Ah. I still remember. With trembling hands, that brought, took a pen. I remember, I'm not joking, his hands were trembling as he wrote his name on that Bible. Ah, this brother looked like, what? He actually wrote his name. He said, yes. Where did he get it from? Those are the kind of boy I dealt with. We'll sit down. We'll going through the Bible. Go to host a class now. For what now? When Diggs just came. Why can't you go to class? You wanted to know what Diggs said about everything. Those are the kind of boy I dealt with. My roommates. We're well, having fellowship. So, okay, Banke, you sing in the spirit. I didn't know what it meant. No, sing to the Lord a new song. What does it mean to sing a new song? So I sang a song they did not know. That's the only thing I could do. <laughs> it was later when I understood what it meant by a new song. Just form the song out of your spirit. Some of our sisters will come and give you a message, they have a message for you from the Lord. You open it. You can't read it. Why? They said they wrote in tongues. <laughs> <laughs> ah. You want to know the kind of Bible I grew up with a campus? Uh, okay. See, that I'm saying today is the grace of God. <laughs> I'm not supposed to be saying. <laughs> How can I be saying? First of all, give you a message written in tongues. And I remember the brother they gave the message to. Instead of him to read the interp- interpretation, was at the back. He said, no, let him interpret it by himself. <laughs> so I will be in the room. He's there praying, looking at paper that he couldn't. He didn't know the language. And he will pray and pray and write a line down. And close there and pray and pray and pray and pray. Read the next line. And pray and pray and pray and, pray and read another line. My own, I had to go class. This is the way. I, I had <laughs> I'm not kidding, you know. I remember you know, during one holiday, one of our brothers came from town. He was a senior brother to us, so He slept in our room. Early morning next day, around 5 o'clock or 4.30, one early hour like that. And you know students, we sleep very late. It's not as if we're, we're uh, in, in 9 o'clock, you kind of sleep. You probably crawl back to the room at 12 midnight before you guys find Gary to soak and stuff like that. It's already 12.30. You crawl into the bed like 1 a.m. Then by five persons, and this guy, he shook the bed. Get up, lazy people. Get up, get up, get up. It's already morning. Time to pray, time to pray. And I woke up. Huh? Do you know when we slept? We well, was singing brother now, so what are you going to do? So all came down. Oh yeah, let's begin to sing. We began to worship. <sighs> <sighs> You're yeah, looking at him like, in your mind, you God. Why can't you just throw this guy out of the window? <laughs> <laughs> but what will you do now? He will clap. Then, said, let's begin to pray. I still remember that day. we began to pray, his prayer. Oh, oh, oh. He will grab the bed like this. <laughs> of course, we had to speak in tongues. We had to do everything. Then finally, he brought out one long sheet of paper. I have not forgotten. What I'm telling you around, 1980, around 1987, 1988. So he said, he wanted to teach us on ambassadors for Christ. So we sat down and began to at 5 a.m. in the morning. We had almost 45 minute teaching on ambassadors for Christ. And he had it line by line. And he would explain and he would explain. Ha! Finally, we prayed everything, we gave thanks, then he left. Of course, by that time, he had been up for like one hour, two hours in the morning. Then he went. At night he came back again. <laughs> but next day he was going somewhere. <laughs> So again, around 5 o'clock, he woke up. <laughs> he woke everybody up again. Hey, oh, God. The people sleep too much. It's time to pray. <sighs> okay, sir. But he was going out. So he woke us up. I said, please, he has to go back to town. He's rushing for something. He left. He came with his father as a pickup. So he left. So <laughs> one of the guys they said, hey, Jokes, you, one of my friends, Jokes, said, Yo, you leave praise worship banking. You will lead the prayer, and then I think he said he will share the word. was look and say, you know the time where I sleep? <laughs> 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 you know, this young guy had gone. He could harass this one. He said, wait we'll He said, my friend, you know the time where I sleep? He just turned in his bed. Ah! I said, oh, well, me too. Man, we young boyzoo. If dare, I tell you how young we were those days, we're not with kind of 20, we're actually 20. It's more small, small boys. <laughs> Listen, so I didn't go to Bible school. That was my Bible school. You bring a book, Kenny Higgin book, to the room. It, it's quarrel. No, no, I saw it as soon as it came in. No, I'm not don't do it like this. Now. I can't, I, no, Banky, was I not the first person to ask you when you brought the book in? That's the quarrel in the room. They will not start quoting scripture on who read the book first. The Bible says, prefer one another in love. <laughs> and I would say, no, the Bible says everything should be done decently and in order. You'll be quoting scripture up and down on who will read the book first. Some brothers, they will finish listening to one Kenege message. Now get to the fellowship. They said they have a word from the Lord. You hear them speak a tongue, exactly the one still spoke. <laughs> the one Kenege spoke in the tape. That's what they are speaking for us. The message from the Lord is the one Kenege just gave. What do you go do now? You go hear. I mean, some of those men were anointed. I remember one brother finished preaching one day. You wanted to walk on fire. You felt like one of our brothers will come. He said, "Listen, because of the abundance of revelation, the mosquitoes can bite him. That because of the life of God." Sometimes these guys will go to Lagos, go to their churches in Lagos, cram everything their pastor is preaching, then come back to campus, harass the life out of us with what they call revelation. But you see, that was our fun. I hope you're getting my point. I, of course, we read the Bible. You, there are people you want to go and visit. Ah, who are you going to see? You want to go and see Pastor Emma? Have you read your Bible? No. So you sit down, read two chapters, manufacture one revelation, keep it in your heart, then go to his room. Ah, Pastor Emma, I came to see you. Eh, eh. What's the Lord saying? Ah, it was in First Corinthians chapter 1. He was saying something. He, he didn't know that you cram this one to come. Because if you don't cram anything now, he will ask you, what did the Lord say? And you will not know. How can you not know what the Lord is saying? And I still remember those. The dream of my heart is when one of our brothers, Reverend Chooks, he wanted to be able to preach like him. Ah, ah. He wanted to be able to preach like him. Because the way those guys, you preach the same word. When they preach it, it comes out differently. Ah, so we're like God, I'm anoint, ah, ah, anoint now. Like this to share our own portion. That's why I got my ministerial training. They found it. look at you, left everything you have to do on this beautiful Saturday to come and listen to me. I have never been to the walls of a Bible school never. Never. Never been in a class, a Bible school class. No. Never been. Never been. I have nothing against it. I'm just trying to tell you I have never been. If somebody wanted to skim my life for me, he would have sent me to a Bible school. My friend, we called him pastor when I was seven, NYSE. He had a B.A. in theology from a Baptist seminary. When we are done, he told me that he had never met anybody like me. That I challenged him to read the Bible. And he had a B.A. in theology. I did not even know. And I was just living my normal life. I was living my normal life. I didn't think anything of it. That was just the kind of environment I was surrounded with. Please, I hope you are getting my point. So that is why, And okay, look at Nigeria of today. Many of the prominent ministers in Nigeria, they also didn't go to Bible school, so. Jesus, that campus was their Bible school. Now, what I going to explain is simple. And that's the fact that, listen, you can't plot your life. You can't. You just can't. We are looking at the life of David. He never thought about being a king. He didn't have the natural qualifications for being a king. When they were looking for a replacement for Saul, he was too small. It was so small, his father did not think him qualified. When the prophet said, is there no other person? Ah, there's see one. He can't be the one you're looking for. It's a small boy. Yet, that's the person that God made the king in Israel. So we read that from that second, um, Samuel chapter 23. They said, a man who was raised up on high. New Living Transition says, David, the man who was raised up so high, he was raised up so high. It was not his effort, it was the Lord that raised him up so high. And that's what I'm going to emphasize. For us to be able to wait for God to raise us up so high, for us to realize that the place he is going to take us to in life is a place that he determined, planned by himself, did not ask your opinion, Then if you allow him, he will take you there in his own time. When is his time? You know the truth? That's where the problem is. We don't know. In fact, what is the place? We don't know. You hear me say once in a while, What's, what kind of ministry am I going to be running in the next few years? I tell you, I have no idea. But the one I'm doing today, I will continue to do it. Because life has seasons. And we're going to look at that, God helping us in a moment. Life has seasons. The earliest stage of life is when God trains you, in which you qualify yourself for how he will use you in the next season. Do you get my point? That is, he comes and he hands out talents, minas, money actually, as a sign of many things. And he says, do business with this until I come. Let me remind us again. That's Luke chapter 19. When he came back, they d- this is so important. I keep on saying it. They did not know what he was planning. They thought it was about money. They thought it was about money. Master, your mina has made 10 more. It was not their own money. It was the master's money. But he gave them the money to them as a test because he had gone to receive a kingdom for himself. And he knew that when he will be back, he will need people to be in charge of cities. And in this life, to find people to put in charge of things is one of the most difficult things, you know, challenges of life. One of the most difficult challenges. So when he was going, he said, okay, let's see who's going to do it. He tested them with money. The man whose money made 10 more, he said, well done. Be in charge of what? 10 cities. Please remember, the guy did not know. The servant did not know that cities were being prepared. Maybe what he was hoping for is promotion in the hierarchy in that particular place they were in. One day, "Ah, myself, you know, I will become... A senior servant. He did not know he was going to be literally a, which was that, a ballet, like a small king. What do you call those people? Not mayor. Those guys are more powerful than mayors. Anyway, let, anyway, let's use mayor. He's going to be the, the kinglet, is that English? <laughs> in charge of ten cities. He thought he was going to be promoted in the household. But he was placed in charge of ten cities. Many of us have read this book, The, the Richest Man in Babylon. Many years ago, it was trending when I was in Lagos. Everybody was reading The Richest Man in Babylon. And people kept on reading and trying to find out how to make money because Akkad was told by the king of Babylon all right, to teach the men how to make money. And then the guy, of course, the men would gather daily. He would show them what to do with money. Now, I told people that many people overlook one fact that that was not how the man made his own money. He was the richest man in Babylon, but that was not how he became rich. All the principles he taught, they didn't give him a fraction of the wealth he had. But that lesson is often overlooked by people. He told them, take about 10 or 20% of your income, and when you earn money, put some aside. And put some aside until it's enough for you to invest in something, maybe trading. And then, how did he learn it? He learned it from a particular man who was very wealthy. He was working like a clerk in the city hall. And this man had a job, because because there were no photocopiers. You need to have people copy things for you by hand. So there was a copying job that he was given. He did not get it ready on time. The man was desperate, so they had a deal. I won't sleep. I'll do your work. Then in return, what do you get paid? No, teach me how to be rich. So every year, the man would give him a lesson. The man would return, give him another lesson. So he told him how to save money to be able to acquire enough money to invest. And then one day he invested in gemstones. And those guys went to Phoenix. The Phoenicians gave them glass, colored glass. So by the time he came back, he said the Phoenicians were squandrels. He lost the money he had saved for years. So the man taught him something. Next lesson. Don't get involved in businesses you don't understand. Each year, he kept on learning and learning. Every year, he would learn. And that was why he was not teaching the people, the young men, who were, uh, the men in the city who would gather. But I told him, I said, they overlooked one thing. That was not how he made his money. Because how did he get his money? It was simple. After many years of tutelage, he began to multiply his money, and he was becoming rich for his own level. And the man that was teaching him was an old man. So the old man one day called him and said, you are so good now in this business. Come and work for me. Offered him a generous salary. And so he went to work for the man. And he kept on working. And then one day the man called him again and said, my sons are only interested in spending money. All these lessons you've learned on how to make money, how to handle money, how to handle business, they have not learned it. So essentially, he settled his sons and handed his whole inheritance to this man. What made him rich? It was an inherited wealth. There's only one problem with inherited wealth: you don't, you can't plan to inherit wealth, especially when it's not your father's own. And when is your father's own? Who said he will give you? There's one guy I led in Lagos those days. One rich man in Lagos will mentioned, the, oh, If I mention the name, you won't even. Know. I can't even remember the name, but I know his business. All right, if in Lagos those days you will remember his business, one of those big names you know. One day we woke up in the morning. He had been shot. Had been killed in his office around um, 9, between 9 and 11 in the morning. Unknown gunmen <laughs> entered his office in the morning, shot him, and killed him. So everybody was like, hey, maybe he did a bad deal. No, he didn't do a bad deal. They were sent by his first son. He sent assassins after his own father. Why? because he was a squander of a son and the father had written a will had told somebody and he found out about it that he was going to disinherit him. And the boy said, eh, this money? Okay now. So before the man could carry out his threat, the boy killed his father. So see, inheritance is like that. The people that really can receive inheritance don't plan for it. Those who are planning for it, they can't. are the ones you want to disinherit. So they shoot the father. Why did he have to shoot this father? It's simple. He was, the boy was on drugs. He had been deported from one of these foreign countries. Not just by the way. part of our message, really. Now, I just want to emphasize the fact that if you read that book, if you're not careful, you just think, and as I say in life, listen, be very careful. Many of the things people teach I keep on telling preachers, stop promising people things. You do like do like this; this will not happen. Nothing will happen. What do I teach? I teach righteousness, that this is the right thing to do. I don't promise you any reward. I just teach you this is the correct thing to do. So I tell you, if you're going to read that book, read that book with something in mind. Let me learn how to manage money responsibly. There is no guarantee. It's going to produce anything. Okay, they say save the money. Why are you going to save it under your bed? Have you never heard of where thieves do break in and steal? Why are you going to save the money inside the bank? Never heard of banking collapse? The banks will just collapse on your money. How are you going to save the money till you are able to invest it? And which investment? Go and read Solomon. You can put the money in a bad investment, not because you are stupid, not because you are bad just because the investment just became bad. There are people who, right now, they are in financial distress. They didn't do anything bad, though. They've managed their businesses well, but they want along the line so as to accelerate the growth of the business. They went and borrowed $3 million from a foreign bank. And those of don't care about your economy. You have to pay them back their money. And we're all witnesses. How the Naira went from three hundred and sixty narrow to the dollar, where he had been for a while. And in less than, is it up to a year? He hit 580. How much business are you going to do to pay that? Because suddenly your loan has almost doubled. When you put a bit of interest, you are paying back. And you didn't do anything wrong. It's not your fault. You wanted to grow the business. After all, your friend, that's what he did. He also took a loan from one international financing organization that gave him $5 million, and look at his business now so big, and he wanted to go that way. Who who do you want to blame for that? Is that not why Solomon said time and chance happens to all? In fact, one Bible, I think the good news Bible, another one says time and bad luck. Bad luck. Sometimes you invest in something, technology will just change. Will you be... (laughs) Wouldn't it surprise you to know that Yahoo wanted to buy Google at the time? You know Yahoo? Yahoo.com wanted to buy Google. I can't remember what the problem was, why the acquisition did not happen. Nobody today will buy Yahoo for a billion dollars. Nobody. And Google, under the alphabet company, is now the second most capitalized company in the world. And sometimes it overtakes Apple. They and Apple, they, they and Apple exchange that position once in a while. Would you, wouldn't it interest you that Yahoo was going to buy Google at a time? Now, if you give Yahoo to Google, they used to do footmat. How did, what did they do wrong? Nothing. Time and chance happen to them. So I tell people, listen, this one of putting your, uh, if I do this, I'll be rich. Leave that in. You buy a book, learn, anybody that will not teach you how to be responsible, just close it and go away. Have you seen those adverts? Listen, if you follow any of those things, let me tell you, 99 out of 100 people that follow them become poor. They don't just lose money, they become poor. I see this advert online all the time. Make money from Bitcoin without investing in Bitcoin. yeah, you you, man. How do you make money from Bitcoin without investing in Bitcoin? see, let me tell you something God has done for me. All right? Those things never, please, I'm not bragging. I'm not trying to impress you. I'm being honest with you. This will make you laugh. All right? Or you may say, hey, Pastor, you're right. It has the same effect on me as those ones that say, meet single girls. You know, the ones, they also advertise, meet fine girls in your area. To me, they are both morons. There's no difference. The one that's offering, make quick money. That's how much temptation I get from it. I've never, you know what? Maybe because I so understand there's nothing like quick money, it doesn't exist. It's quick trouble. You know when you buy sheep, uh, wolves in sheep clothing? Quick money, just trouble in money clothing. I see them all the time. I have, ne- Well, maybe one day I may have clicked to see what exactly they are even asking. I can't remember. I'm just saying maybe. But I don't. I put them on the same side. Meet eligible fine girls in your neighborhood. And make quick money. Two of you are of the devil. And there's no difference. <laughs> one is the devil wearing Naira mask and dollar mask. One is the devil wearing ashewo mask. The two of them, the say, I'm not joking, they have never, they have never had the smallest... No, you know, It's not bragging, no. Never. Temptation. For what now? It's like, I see you put poison or here. Sniper inside meat pie. Wrap it. Made the fine meat pies in your neighborhood. And I saw you do it. <laughs> Isn't that bragging? And I say that no, I'm not tempted with meat pie. Bros, let's be honest. I'm tempted with meat pie. Is that your own? <laughs> that, are you getting my point? If, if, if you have said, okay, no, nah, I, I, I was about to say something. I realized that's not even true, self. As long as if you say collect free money, I will have been tempted. I still don't believe those ones. If they are giving free money out in that shop, I say, i just go, they just give you $100. I will ban my children if I see you near there. Because this life, I know there's nothing like that. There's nothing like this. Lunch and is not free. There is, no, there is nothing. If you don't lose physically, you lose spiritually. As you are living, God will be looking at I said, Bank, where are you coming from? I say, said, God, did they share a dollar there? They give you anyone. He said, I collected 200. Say, so Lie down here. He will first collect my, the 200 dollar tear it like this. To burn it like smoke. They'll give me 20. No, no, sorry. 200 strokes of the cane. One stroke for each dollar. I know the way it is. So that's why you don't tempt me. You know, you've heard my story. A friend of mine came and said, ah, banky, there's something my sister introduced me to. I just want to show you. I said, what is it? He said, you invest money. You just see your money growing like this. I didn't even ask him what the money thing is about. <laughs> I just tapped him. I said, my brother, see, these things, eh? I'm never interested. He said, banky. This one is genuine. I said, what do you mean it's genuine? How do you know it's genuine? He didn't know that my problem was not whether it was genuine or fake. He said, it's quick money. I said, bros, I don't He said, listen, it is from America. You know, when you see the kind of people, things people don't, adults don't know, you'll be amazed. If I tell you the academic qualification of the person telling me this, choose, you know the level I'm talking about. You know, in that your job is at the peak. I said, I said, it's from America. He said, yes. I asked him a question. I said, Bernard Madoff, is he from Okunan? <laughs> what I asked him, <laughs> I wanted to know. He said, he's from America. What I asked him, I said, is Bernard Madoff not from America? That was the question I asked him. Because the way he says from America, see if they're um, they, they the only people that steal Hosh Poppy. Hosh Poppy is a small boy where Bernard Madoff was. What the hush policy of his deal? He, he reached reach $100 million. Bernard Madoff, mango 30s. I was the exact amount. 40 billion said 40 billion. They couldn't recover up to half of it. I looked at him I said, Bernard Madoff. I, no, I asked him, I said, Bernard Madoff, is he from Nigeria? wasn't from America. He said, Well, He said, I don't tell you. I said, My brother, I don't hear you. Leave him like that. That was the first time I told him, I said, My brother, you know, my name is Jonah. I, told him, I said, I said, bro, you know what? My name is Jonah. She said, Your boat is sailing safely now. Your money is climbing, have you? I said, See, if I enter the boat, I told him, I said, My name is Jonah. Just don't invite me into your boat. He said, I don't tell you. I said, I don't hear you. He said, You just see your money. You just be growing up like this. I said, Leave up. You know, somehow if you hear me, you see the way I behave. You say, this, 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 this pastor doesn't like money at all. If you have some things I preach, he say, let me tell you, the worst danger in this life is money. I told you last time that when Satan is passing and Jesus is just, just with his disciples and his children, it doesn't worry you. They'll be dead, playing 10-10, 10 they'll just be playing. Then when money starts passing, you will whistle. Children, say, come and stay behind me. Everyone enter into the compound, lock the gate, hold the door by himself, because money is so dangerous. He never said you cannot save God and the devil. What he said is you cannot save God and mammon. He never said beware of covetousness. Say, in, sorry, he never said beware of the devil. What he said was what? Beware of covetousness. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of things which he possesses. Can you see me react to something sometimes? eh? I I just, maybe, the main thing for me is that I just know they don't work. My friend told me that in that time, I said, I've heard, leave it. Maybe a few years later, should be by a year or two later, I can't remember. The one day I was reading about one coin. You can Google up the story of one coin. Then he described, when I I got to that graph, I said, I've heard this graph before. (laughs) Then it don't know me. My friend must have invested his money in one coin. And what was one coin? A major scam. It was a cryptocurrency scam. And those people made away way with $4 billion of money. Some of you from the United States, a huge chunk from UK, from many parts of Eastern Europe, China, Nigeria, and Kenya. Kenyans sold land to put money in one coin. Families sold their inheritance to invest their money in one coin, And Rudja Ignatova took their money and vanished. till today, FBI, CIA, MI5, MI6, Interpol, Mossad, they have not found Rudja Ignatova. At the point in time, they said, maybe she's dead. I say she's not dead. Four billion US dollars. You know, when you see it, just by the way, if you're a pastor, if you don't want God to send you to hellfire, let me just give you one of the things you must never do. Don't market anything from the pulpit. Don't. Do you know there were pastors in Kenya? They made all their church members invest in one coin. I see pastors do it. Somebody wants to sell something. Now come. See, no matter how much I love you. No matter how much offering you give me or promise to give me, I will, no matter how good the thing is, you ain't selling nothing from my pulpit. If I have power over it, you are not selling nothing. Go outside. Go and be marketing one by one. As you are talking, everybody will know I'm as confused as them. So when they look at my face, I look at their face. They know that this, there's no pastoral authority behind this sale. I know, because... Anyway, let's not get into that. I told my friend at the place, this fast money thing, I'm not interested. All the money he put in, he told me that he put in maybe like $5,000, that now do I know his money is up to $15,000? He never saw shishi. Until recently, the graph was still there. <laughs> <laughs> so I always say to people, please, eh, when you're reading any of these books, just read to learn what is right to do. Nothing produces any magical result. You know, can I get back to my, my pet project again? Which I preached on on Tuesday. That's why I tell Christians, stop giving so you can receive. You know, the truth that thing does not work. Most preachers tell you it works. It does not work. I'm, you know, I won't lie to you. You know one of the reasons why you should know I won't lie to you? That, that you should believe me? Because am I not on the receiving side? Ah, I should be the one encouraging you Jules, I should put a basket here. For the special the prophet the prophet's seed of today. And if you want your money to, for God to be uncomfortable until he has blessed you. God will reach his bed and he will not be able to sleep. And he said, I have not blessed my son yet. When God wanted to bless Mordecai, the king could not sleep. Who wants the Mordecai anointing today? I will put Stuks in charge of that basket. If I do that, God will want to lay kill me, he will send me to hellfire. So it's, I'm not telling you the truth because I like the truth. I'm telling you because I'm, I want to be safe. <laughs> I'm telling you the truth. It doesn't work. Once you are giving because of what you will get, you have thrown away your money. You say, Pastor Blanky, but God said, giving shall be given. He said, Give so that it can be given. Two different things. And this is how I say it. The law of sowing and reaping was not taught to us to be an incentive for stingy hearts. It was to be an encouragement for generous hearts. Because indeed, if you are a really cheerful giver, God multiplies your seed. If indeed, you give as a cheerful giver, not thinking of what you will get, the Bible makes it clear, you will see the reward of the travel of your soul, and you will be satisfied. minister ministers seed to the, what do you call it? It ministers food to the eater, seed to the sower, bread for food, and he will increase the harvest of your righteousness. That's what Paul said. I hope you're getting my point. However, there's something he has done. It's an interesting spiritual thing. There are things God wants to give you. By the time he's giving you, you're not, I don't, you're not interested in them. When I say interested now, it's like he's not he, he, he. No, he's like, okay, the Lord has brought the Lord to worship your name. We are independent of circumstances. We have learned to bear abundance. We have learned to bear poverty. In life and as a whole, and in all the circumstances, we have learned how to be the same. And we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. What does God do? By the time he's multiplying those things, that's why he said he gives seed to the sower. That's the first thing. So a generous giver always looks for the opportunity to give. And when God gives that fellow back, it is so that he'll be able to give some more. He never says like, hey, I'm now, I'm that I'm now eating. No. what am I talking about that again? I was saying something. So what do we learn about giving? We learn the right thing to do. That's what I'm trying to emphasize. Giving is right. What did I say? Is right. A true believer is a cheerful giver. And see, what we do is to learn the attitude of God towards certain things. God loves a generous heart. So whether he's giving back to the person or not, forget it. He said, what is it that God loves? He loves a cheerful giver. God loves a generous heart. So when you see all those blessings that are attached to them, just see it as a, a description of the attitude of God. Do you get what I'm trying to say? God's attitude towards the cheerful giver, the generous giver, just learn it. And when you see that God loves something, okay, let me give an example, all right? I love my wife, amen? Now, I'm not supposed to see this in public, but it's, it's not a big deal, all right? It's just a small thing. One of the things I found out early is that if my wife is away from home, one of the things she loves the most is to return back to a clean house, especially a clean bedroom. Even my daughter has learned, look at the way she's smiling. She has learned to be the truth. So if my wife travels for two days, the day she's coming back, if I know she coming come back during the day, that morning, if I have to wake up early, get one or two of the children, yeah, vacuum this room, arrange this one, clean the bathroom, do that. Do, do, why? Mommy's coming back today. Now, that room could have been like that while she was around, though. I hope I get my point. <clears throat> Maybe. But I've noticed over time, so those used to travel for weeks. In fact, I still remember <laughs> when my kids were still much smaller. I would call Zim. Zim, I beg you. Madame is coming back tomorrow. So, Zim will come to my house today. Especially the bedroom, then where we're staying. And then there's one who calls a study that was attached to the bedroom. And the ba- she would, Hours she'll be there cleaning, cleaning, cleaning. Because when Madame comes back, the room must be sparkling. Because if she gets back, and it's not like that, she will just be a bit uncomfortable. If somebody's been away for days, then she's just trying to arrange, trying to clean, trying to... So I said, no need now. So it's now almost like a given. In fact, I think my wife can clean the room by just traveling. So said, this room looks a bit dirty. What do I do? Let me find a place to go for two days. <laughs> it's easier now. I know if it's those days, it was harder for me. But now I've grown people like this one. I just say, hey... Amena, I uh, yes, Daddy. Mommy is coming back today around 4 o'clock, okay? You are not going to school there, are you? No. All right, you victory parents, you know what to do. They enter the room, they, in fact, without being told, say, Amena, we enter the place, change the bed sheet, do this, arrange, arrange, arrange. You no, know, my wife has never promised me anything. Oh, my husband, let's say clearly, nothing. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> but why do I keep on doing what I do? Because the wife loves a clean bedroom. The wife loves a clean house when she returns. I have discovered that attitude. So I give it as an offering all the time. You know, until now I'm saying it, it has never crossed my mind to say, sweetheart, I've been cleaning the bedroom when you are coming back and even the whole house. You have never come back and say, for all these bedrooms you have cleaned, shall I shall give you two more bedrooms. <laughs> You know, it has never crossed my mind. Actually, I shall love you some more. I just say, come, come and hug, come and hug. I hug when I want to. Whether I clean the room or I don't clean the room. Ever since I gave my father-in-law some money. <laughs> the cleaning of the room does not affect my rights in that regard. I have been, she has been crucified with me. Nevertheless, she lives. The life she now lives. <laughs> 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 do you get want point run away? Yes. So there's no there's nothing like uh, I'm sowing this seed, so my wife will love me. What do you want to do before? You can't do any other thing. It's called covenant. Bound. You're in bondage. It's not good jokes. Let them know. You're not good anywhere. We have changed you. I'm telling your wife on your behalf whether he clears the room or not. You are his portion. You know, the Lord's portion is his people. Chooks' portion is his wife. <laughs> do you get what I'm saying all of these things? But when we see divine attitude towards things, things we do them. And I think it is wrong for witch preachers to be focusing the mind of believers on the reward rather than focusing the mind of believers on the pleasure of God. We should be satisfied with the pleasure of God. We should be satisfied that this satisfies the Lord. Do you get my point? It's not what they give me back. Does this satisfy the Lord? Yes, it satisfies him, and that is good enough for me. Please, I'm trying to emphasize something in all of this that I'm saying. And that's the fact that we just learn to do what is right. Why? Because it is right. I started by talking about this issue of uh, Richest Man in Babylon, that book. I'm not saying it's a bad book, I'm not trying to say that. But I'm just saying if you read it, Please check. These are the good principles. If they are good, I'm not recommending the book. Just trying to get people to understand. If you need, you find the sound principles for financial management. It is not a quick way to money. That's something I found in this life. There is no quick way. There is no guaranteed way. What I was trying to emphasize is God that leads people up. And I said something along the line: We have stages. We have stages. First of all, the Lord gives us a stage of preparing for that next stage. So it gave, 12, it gave talents to so 10 servants. And as it handled each talent, it decided what was going to happen to them subsequently. I hope you're getting my point. Yeah, so what we need to do in each season is to do all that we are supposed to do. Now, back to where we began from, it is God that lifts people up. And one of the things you must, I was going, going to read some scriptures. Have we read any one of them? Okay, no, we haven't. Okay, we haven't. Please quickly open to the book of um, Psalms, Psalm 50. Psalm 50. I said we're going to read quite a bit. Let's see how far we can go with the reading. From verse 7 is said, Hear, O my people, and I will speak. O Israel, I will testify against you. I am God, your God. I do not reprove you for your sacrifices. And your burnt offerings are continually before me. In verse 9 he says, I shall take no young bull out of your house, nor male goats out of your folds. For every beast of the forest is mine. The cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird of the mountains and everything that moves in the field is mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you. For the world is mine and all it contains. Shall I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of male goats? What does God want? Verse 14. Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving. And pay your vows to the Most High. Call upon me in the day of trouble. I shall rescue you and you will honor me. Now, please notice something he's saying here. The people were offering God a lot of things. They were coming with regular bond offerings. So he said, your burnt offerings are continually before me. He said, however, that is not the desire of my heart. It is not your young bulls I want to take out of your house, nor your male goats out of your folds. Why? Because if I wanted any of these things, all I need to do is go into the forest and pick one for myself. Every beast of the forest is mine. I know every bird of the mountains. If I were hungry, therefore, I would not tell you. What do I really want? I want a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Let me quickly add this one. Thanksgiving is one important thing that you must give to the Lord. He actually loves it. Now, and he doesn't want superficial thanksgiving. He wants true giving of thanks. Now, you see something Something I want to pray for people here. I do say this once in a while. I say, let's mention this person's name in Thanksgiving. It's so important that your name is me- mentioned in Thanksgiving. Let me just drop something. When people want, you know, one thing I found out in my Bible, I've been looking for it, Paul never said thank you to anybody. Please, if you find where he did, come and show it to me. As of now, I have not found Please, you can do that small research so that I can stop saying it. People helped Paul. He never told them thank you. What he used to do is what? Thanks be to God for your generous gift. Did you notice that? Paul always directed a thank you to God. He will acknowledge your gift. He will tell you how it was a blessing. Then he will say, thanks be to God for such a gift. Thanks be to God for your kind heart. Thanks be to God. That was, <laughs> go ahead and read it too. He gave God thanks for people all the time. In this life, make it a personal agenda that you'll be, be a blessing to people so that they can thank God with your name. I think it's one of the things you must aim for in this life. That people are on their knees and they mention your name in thanksgiving. The Lord loves thanksgiving. He does. But I was saying, he doesn't like superficial Thanksgiving. It's what they call roots. He said, the reverence these people have of me is that which they learned by rote. That is, before we eat, we say, thank you, Lord, for this food in Jesus' name. Amen. We are not really grateful. We are not really grateful. You know, well, it's a small story, but I think I'll just drop it to let you know the kind of gratitude we should have. Something happened yesterday. Today's what? Friday was yesterday, right? Yeah. October 1st. Because of the threats of IPOBDs and all of that, and, uh, sit at, you know the way it is on those threatened sit-at-home things. So I went out. I went out. I had a friend coming from the airport because of, I knew he may have problems. So I offered to pick him up from the airport. So yeah, actually, what happened was that he called me a few days before and said, how is Enugu? I intend to come in on Friday. He was asking about the IPOB, sit-at-home thing. I said, my brother, don't worry yourself. I arrived, okay?" People do move around. This town is normally very quiet, but people, this is no group, I said, well, we do get around, but there are a few areas that may be problematic. So make a long story short. I told him, and I said, what's your plan? He told me that I didn't have any. I said, all right, no problem. I'll pick you from the airport. So that made me go out in the morning to go and pick him. So my way back home, that's a small thing, okay, very small. So when I wanted to go out, it was late morning. I got said I was hungry, I wanted to get something to eat. He said, well, they didn't buy bread. He said, ah, no bread in this house. I looked for something to put in my mouth, drank water, and then left the house. As I was coming back, I saw a shop. <laughs> it wasn't just a small thing, right? I just saw a shop open. Ah, I quickly packed. I wondered, do you guys have bread? Oh, there was bread. So I bought bread. There's this small small loaf. I packed a few loaves, put it in, this, I put in a nylon bag, paid them. It wasn't too much money. Then I came out, looked at the bread. You know what? I actually raised my head to God and raised the bread up to the Lord and told him, Thank you. It doesn't look like a lot. I didn't pay too much for it. Everything was less than a thousand naira. But I just said, "Ah, oh, Lord, you saw I needed bread." Look, me I, as far as I'm concerned, I'm the only thing happening on this earth. Look, that's how I am. I'm doing. <laughs> Maybe ten people came to buy things from there. It doesn't concern me. As far as I'm concerned, God kept that shop open because of me. I don't. You can say me Give your own things now. Are really we struggling on how much times we get to heaven? I mean, the Thanksgiving channel is never full. You can upload your own anytime. Stream your own Thanksgiving. Don't worry, my soul. But the way I treat it is that that shop opened because of me. And they had, after all, the small ones they had, I bought everything. Somebody could have come before me. So as far as I found my, my God, who supplies all my needs, according to his riches in glory, he kept this bread there for me. I came out of the shop, I paused, and I raised it up, you know, slightly in my hand. I looked up to heaven and I shook my hand and said, Lord, thank you. So when I got home, I said, Everybody, bread has, has landed. So we were showing up from everywhere. Hey, bread, bread, bread. We began to dissect bread right there and then. And for me, it was gratitude to God. I was grateful. When I told Him, thank you, I meant it. Many times, I, I'm about to put water in my mouth and it, I interrupted. Look at the glass, and I tell the Lord, "Thank you." And I drink the water. Now this is rainy season; water is falling everywhere. But I see each glass of water as a special order from heaven to quench my thirst. That is a real sacrifice. People say sometimes that you say sacrifice is that which you give to God when you don't feel like it. That's not, where do we get that thing from? We say it all the time, don't we? You've not heard it before. But you know it's not true. It's not true. Most of the sacrifice we give to God, we feel like it. People say, sacrifice that which you do not want to do, you are compelled to do because of your faith in God. No, 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 that's not a sacrifice. A sacrifice is something you offer to the Lord. Sometimes we misquote David. That David said, I will not give God something that does not cost me. I said, stop misquoting the man. Look at the context. What he gave was not up to 0.0001% of his total financial worth. Just you give an offering that costs you. Every offering I give costs me. Once it's not your money. Once it's my money. No matter how small, even if it's five naira, it costs me. Let's stop misquoting scriptures. We have this habit. All of it is a money-raising habit anyway. In the same manner, I say, a sacrifice is that which you cannot afford. It's not true. A sacrifice is that which comes freely from your heart, which you give to the Lord because you believe in him. So your thanksgiving is no less a sacrifice because you are healthy than the one you give when you are not feeling well. And what am I saying? Give it all the time. If you are giving only when you are not feeling well, it's a bribe. I don't know whether you are catching what I'm trying to say there. Many of us will feel like, let's give him thanks so that he can heal us. When you were healthy, you didn't remember. Thank him when you are healthy. Still give him thanks when you don't feel that well. When things are not moving well, give him thanks. Why? Because you know... God makes all things work together for good to them that love him and who are called according to his purpose. I had a business deal with somebody recently. They bought something from him. It took forever. he no, you know, really messed me up. You understand? So my friend was trying to intervene to get things sorted out. He said, well, eh, we have learned. I said, no, 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 me. I'm not bothered though. I said, because the God that delivered me from this or that one, he knew what I was talking about. I said, am I trying to say it was not there when this one began? I said, for whatever reason, he permitted this to happen. I give him thanks for it, and I meant it. I said, no, 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 no. You know, the, the idea is that, uh, no, I said, I, I, won't, I, I refuse to feel bad. And why I refuse to feel bad is because I cannot deny the hand of God now, because I don't like the outcome. There are certain scriptures we have thrown away as believers. With some, we say, they saw, uh, the job, they didn't have revelation. We know nothing. When Job said to his wife, are we going to receive good from the hand of the Lord and not receive evil water? We say he doesn't have have understanding. You know, it was Satan. What nonsense, Satan. Did you not read the Bible from the beginning? God called Satan. Have you considered my servant Job? It was never Satan's idea to tempt Job. Read it. It was God's idea. And God gave Satan instructions on what to do and what he could not do. All that he has, I have placed into your hands but you can't touch his life. And Satan said, thank you, all correct. He went, took all the goods. And his wife said, ah, why do curse God and die? He said, don't be stupid. He said, did you not receive good from his hand? He said, we did. He said, if he brings evil, are we going to reject it now? Someone said, no, by faith. Don't, that thing you are saying is not faith. You don't know enough. I heard somebody say that the problem with Job was that he was not tithing. You've not heard that one? It wasn't tightened yet. God gave him double back. It's good not to tighten. You have anything you lose. You get double back? Come on, let's stop being ridiculous. I'm talking about Thanksgiving. So we know that indeed, all things work together for good to them that love God and who are called according to his purpose. Just fix your love on the Lord. That's what matters. Everything, no matter how bad it looks, it will work out for your good. No matter how bad it looks, it will work out for your good. Now, please let me get back to sit on the main thing I'm trying to say. Now, but listen to this God wants thanksgiving from us. Now, in that particular place, you know what He said? I don't want any sacrifices that you are giving me as what they call rote worship. Rote worship is this how we do it. We do it because they say we should do it. But real sacrifice that the Lord wants is the one in which you look and say, I give the Lord thanks because I am what I am by the grace of God. I don't know whether you're getting my point. Let's read this scripture. And I'll try and begin to close. Second Samuel chapter 7. Second Samuel chapter 7. I want us to see something here. Now, what I'm going to bring out for us is this. What does God want? The Thanksgiving we are dealing with here is in one in which you really, literally appreciate that God is the one that has brought me to this level. And I'm saying this. Allow him to take you to where he wants to take you to. So that you can truly from your heart say it is God that brought me here. There is thanksgiving that we just say because let's just thank God. is a Christian habit and it is good. It's practice. But there's what I call incisive thanksgiving because you know the depths of truth. That where I am today is not my doing. I hope you're getting my point. A man that blesses me, directly, when he explains the extent of his ministry, I just look at all I can do is, Lord, you've done this kind of thing before. That is, it's an encouragement. He will tell you there was a word that came to him many years ago. I can't remember exactly now, but something like it will start as a, maybe like, spring. yeah, spring, then to become a stream, then to become a river, and then become an ocean. And it was describing what his ministry was going to be. And in the latter days of his life, now, first, the ministry is still going on. Messages are still being released. I think it got a, a new set about uh, a month ago. Okay? What they do is that they dig to the archives, digitize. And upload, you understand? So I, I have uh, the reference messages that I have. I count them in hundreds. I don't really know the exact number, so maybe I'll tell. Maybe it's between two hundred and stuff. That's how I count them. All right. Now, by, before he died, his messages were being heard by half of the globe on a daily basis. The broadcasts, like now, we don't want to talk in Kingdom World Ministries. We talk about covering, If I want to talk something, you know, almost like a bragging, not bragging in myself, I will cover at least land mass in Nigeria of today, maybe about um, two thirds to three quarters of Nigerian land mass, okay, that we, our broadcast cover. People in more than two thirds of Nigeria can hear us a few times of the week. So I noted that we're on a, is it 24? Is it 23 or 24? Eh? Okay, you know, 23 radio stations, you know, you know you're, you're still good about it, you know, that kind of thing. Of course, all I do is preach. I don't do any other thing. I don't go to any place to go and look for the radio station. That all, the, the only thing I do about that is preach. I don't put anything on air. Israel and Kuh, they decide that. If Israel wants to mess me up, he knows how to rearrange what I said and they broadcast all over, the, well, the DSS will come and arrest me. <laughs> <laughs> they decide that. The radio stations don't know me. They don't know my number. They, they worry Reverend Inka all the time. Are you getting my point? Most thats they don't, most of them, who am I? So the whole thing just keeps going. My duty is to show up regularly and preach. And I'm sure that more than two-thirds, maybe about three-quarters of Nigerian land mass is covered by our broadcast on a weekly basis, some of them up to five times a week. Okay? Now, sounds big, right? Yeah, for those of us who are here, the Red Prince Zone was half of the globe for China, they were releasing his messages in five Chinese dialects. They gave him a Chinese name. Did you get my point? In China, it's known as the Red Prince. Something, a Light Bearer, something like that is his name. They gave him a Chinese name. Translate the message to Chinese and broadcast it in five Chinese languages. Books in Chinese. His books are in so many languages, in German, Spanish, French. Of course, the main one is English. Okay, many Chinese languages. You know, maybe Hindi. That's in India. Different ones. Vietnam. His books are everywhere. What did he do? Nothing. He went to New Zealand one day, and they gave him papers to sign. What is it? They had incorporated the Prince Ministries New Zealand. They just wanted his signature. Why? He said people sending mails, they send in offerings and stuff. They need to know how to handle it. So they set up a ministry for him in New Zealand. His own, it doesn't, that is, it didn't, they didn't ask him. They were taking his messages, putting them on air in New Zealand, and it was blessing people. His testimony blessed me. And remember, it shall be a spring. The spring will become a stream. The stream will become a river. And it will become an ocean. That's how the message came to him. Those early days. No effort on his part. The Lord gave the word. The spirit. Are you getting my point? The spirit caused men to broadcast the word. Please follow my point here. He was not the one that did it. It was God that did it. I'm talking about thanksgiving. What does God want? He wants to be able to get that kind of thanksgiving from us. For him to say, no, I am not the one that brought myself to this level. It is God. Many of us are excellent schemers. Let me tell you what God is going to do for you when he loves you. He will frustrate your schemes. And it's a blessing. You should know when God is frustrating your schemes, though. it's one of the things you do for yourself earliest. Do them early, you'll be blessed. That is, understand that, those kind of things early. Or do it early, as you say. I thought you should open somewhere, right? No, second Samuel. 2 um, Samuel, chapter of the Now, this is a story here. David wanted to build a house for the Lord. You know that story? And Nathan initially agreed. Then after a while, he realized he had given wrong counsel. When the Lord told him to go and tell David from verse 6, he said, Now, therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, to so be ruler over my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone, and I have cut off all your enemies from before you. Please notice that. It's God that did all those battles, the fighting. I mean, 2 Samuel chapter 7, all right? Now, verse 9. He said, and I will make you a great name, like the name of the great men who are on the earth. I will also appoint a place for my people Israel, and we plant them. And God says all of these things. Now please I wanted to jump down because I want us to get to the reaction of David. Verse eighteen. So what's the confusion? Second Samuel. Chapter seven. Please, if he's corresponding with your own, say amen. All of you that downloaded Chinese Bibles, you should know. (laughs) Alright, the Lord is good. Okay, so, now I want to read the response of David. Verse 18. Then David the king went in and sat before the Lord, and he said, Who am I, O Lord? O Lord God, and what is my house that you have brought me this far? And yet this was insignificant in your eyes, O Lord, for you to have spoken also, of the house of your servant concerning the distant future. Okay, actually, we didn't read that part. Because God said to him, when your days are complete, in verse 12, and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your descendant after you, who will come forth from you, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be a father to him, and he will be a son to me. When he commits iniquity, I will correct him with the rod of men and the strokes of the son of men. But my loving kindness shall not depart from him, as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed from before you. Your house and your kingdom shall endure before me forever. Your throne shall be established forever. In accordance with all these words and all these visions, so Nathan spoke to David. So that's what David was referring to. So he says, so verse 19, and it was, and yet this was insignificant to your eyes. That this eye, you consider this small thing, you did this so easily. O Lord God, for you to have spoken also of the house of your servant concerning the distant future. And this is the custom of man, O Lord God. Again, what, can, what more can David say to you? For you know your servant, O Lord God, for the sake of your word, and according to your own heart, you have done all this greatness to let your servants know. For this reason, you are great, O Lord God, for there is no one like you, there is none like you, and there is no God besides you, according to all that we have heard with our ears." And what, what one nation on earth is like your people, Israel, whom God went to redeem for himself as a people and to make a name for himself and to do a great thing for you and awesome things for your land before your people, whom you have redeemed for yourself from Egypt, from nations and their gods. For you have established for yourself your people, Israel, as your own people forever. And you, O Lord, have become their God. Now, therefore, O Lord God, the word that you have spoken concerning your servant and his house, confirm it forever and do as you have spoken. Now, let me stop reading here. Now, what I want to be, you to bring, bear in mind is that David went before the Lord and he went to give thanks. And he realized that even though I was small in my own eyes, I was not the one that brought myself to this level. It was God that brought me to this level. He sat before God and contemplated, looked over his life. And said, "No, this was not my dealing. This was not my own machinations. There was nothing I did to get here. I was chosen early in life, when I could not even plan anything. In fact, time will not allow us now. Maybe we'll continue from that point next time. We'll have read from Second Samuel, that further from that chapter twenty-three. All right, further down, and you see how God gathered men to help David. And if you're going to read down from First Chronicles, um, chapter eleven, he said, and." Now, these are the heads of the mighty men whom David had, who gave him strong support in his kingdom, together with all Israel, to make him king, according to the word of the Lord concerning Israel. That is, it was not his effort. God gathered people to help him. When God determined to take him somewhere, he by himself arranged help for him. In the life of David, nobody could take glory. You know what God wants to do in your life? So that nobody can take glory. Oh, yes, that's what he wants. See, there was a time Abraham looked. I said before, faith does not always get for us. Faith also helps us to lay things down. There was a time Abraham looked and said, if I take this thing, I, legitimately his own because of qu- conquest in battle. So this man will say, I made Abraham rich. And he said, no, that must not happen. Many of us ministers we are even taking God's glory and giving to another person. That day I saw one man, I just said this, God has left you, you don't know. Although I've now found out that they're all Babala was anyway. He said, my, my, my father, Papa, when I connected with this ministry, you know you said everything was connected with this ministry. His life has not been the same. And that man was doing like, oh, this grace, this grace. I said, there's no grace. All of you is this grace you are seeing. Your glory is your shame. You are bragging on things you be ashamed of. And one pastor after another was coming to praise this man. How it was when they connected with him. That their ministry changed. When they connected with him, doors began to open. When they connected with him, this one happened. When they connected with him, this one. And you sit down there as a preacher and you are collecting all of these things. Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. And his grace walking towards me. Not human connections. Not human connections. In business also, see, let me tell you something. Whatever. Politics, oh, so just make sure you, you don't owe anybody. Now, be grateful, acknowledge people. I hope you get my point. But live your life in such a manner that nobody can look back and say, if we did not help you, will you be here today? And listen, by the way, if you are the one helping people, don't say it. Too. What did I say? Don't say it. Don't ever think it's your help, that, help some, that got somebody somewhere. We are all servants of God. God sent you on an errand. That's why I told you earlier Paul never told anybody thank you. There was another a moment to start it. There. I found it hard though. God, God will help me to get there. If I think I should get there, let me go and finish my study. And if it is so, me too, I'll stop saying thank you to anybody. I say, thanks be to God for your kindness, thanks be to God for your generous gift. Thank be to, thanks be to God for your kind thoughts. Thanks that this will give the No, I, I'm, I'm helping you. To, to let you know, without Him, you can do nothing. I'm helping you too. We're helping each other. So, if I'm a blessing to somebody, I count it as a privilege to be used by God. I count it as a privilege to be used by God. But that's not the focus of our message. The focus of our message is this. Please put this at the back of your mind. Back of your heart. That God wants to collect his glory 100% in your life. He doesn't want to share it with you. He doesn't want to share it with anybody. Please, I hope you're getting my point. He doesn't want to share it with you. And he does not want to share it with anybody. Just bear it in mind like that. It is not your plans that will take you somewhere. Please, I have to develop this on further. I'm watching our time. we have to get out of here. It's not your plans that will take you somewhere. It is that God had a plan. And listen to this. We'll read it later. Time won't allow us now. God will not arrange people to help you. Those men of David, the Bible says, we saw it just, just now. They showed him what, they gave him strong support. When we come back, we'll continue. And you'll see that David was nothing until he was anointed. At the beginning, we saw it. We used to think that the young man was killing bears. He wasn't killing nothing. He was tending sheep. It was after Samuel poured the anointing oil upon him that the ability to kill bears came into his life, that the ability to take on lions came into his life. That anointing oil got him a, a what do we call them? What do you call like a company of, of angels? They began to escort him. They killed the lion for him. But humanly speaking, you would think his hands killed the lion. They killed the bear for him. Humanly speaking, you think his hands killed the bear. Time to face Goliath. The angels laughed Goliath to scorn. Saying, you are, you are fighting. You think you are fighting one man? You are fighting a company of angels. So when Goliath was doing gru they just carried the hammer. They hammered the guy's head. Physically, what did you see? You saw them doing, throwing a stone. One angel hammered Goliath's head. Not Goliath. (laughs) In this your life, let me summarize it, please. God will help you. The Lord will open doors for you. He will do it in such a manner that nobody can take the glory. Let me say it again. He will do things that human beings cannot do. Yes. David was not there. Nobody was there when David killed his lion. He came and told the story. But I'm convinced now, I've studied the scriptures, that it was the anointing. The anointing of the Holy Spirit will come upon you. You will kill the Ongoliaths. You will kill the bears. You will kill the lions. You know, I was watching, time will not allow me. But in this life, men are wicked. They are very wicked. You know why Nigeria, physically speaking, has its problems? Because of the wickedness of human beings. They are so wicked that sometimes you will look. How do I stand against this wickedness? Let me leave this word for you. They are not as wicked as your God is righteous. Amen. What's the meaning of that word righteous? The Lord that is on your side is a Lord of hosts. We began today as, um, as um, Mary began to extol the Lord. He it clear that from their high places he has brought rulers down. Yeah, that's what Mary said. Let's just go back there and I will close with it. Luke chapter 1. In verse 52, it says, He has brought down rulers from their thrones. Listen to me. Political rulers will go down. Please, I want every Christian to bear this in mind. Don't be afraid of anybody. Economic rulers will go down. What I'm trying to say is this. It's simple. God is saying something. Economic giants, he can bring them down. If they will stand in your way, he will bring them down. She now said... And he has exalted those who were humble. When he, say hum- when he was saying, she was saying humble now. It's not humble as in humble of heart. That's important. But it was saying that those who were low. I don't know whether you get the point. It's the opposite of those who were exalted, those who were high up. Listen to me. A nobody can become a governor in Nigeria. Amen. Say amen now. Amen. A nobody can become a president. Amen. A nobody will become a senator. Amen. Will become a governor. Amen. It will happen that great people will be disappointed. And I want Christians to bear it in mind. God wants to do something for you. So that you will look back and tell the testimony. And indeed say, God did this for me. Time will not allow me now to tell the story that uh, the uh, former um, VC of UNN told. Professor Nable. When he told the story of his appointment as VC you see how the machinations of men failed. They did all the scheming to scheme him out. They wanted one of his friends said, how far would that uh, application for VC? He said, well, he doesn't know what's going on. Have you been to Abuja to find out? He said, I don't have money. His friends gave him money. Go! He went and bought a ticket and went. When he got there, ah, you came for what? He, he, he told his story. They said, then them call. They called inside. That was Asso Rock. Made a few calls. Finally, he got to the president's table. They said, We thought the interview was going to be tomorrow. They said, Call him. The professor was traveling that night. They said, Call him. Let me talk to him. He said, okay, If I make you VC of UNN, what are you going to do? Ah. That one said what he wanted to say. So, president said, Okay, I'm going somewhere. Call somebody. Appoint this man as an next VC. Can't, by the way, tomorrow's interview, cancel it. I've made my appointment. And that's. <laughs> he told this story at the Senate meeting. You know the truth? That tomorrow's interview he was talking about, he was not aware. They made sure he didn't hear about it. Let me end my message. The Lord will help you. Yeah. Bow down your heads and give the Lord thanks. That's the lesson from David. The Lord will help you. Bow down your heads, please, and say, Lord, thank you. For I know you are purpose and you are set to help me.